Welcome to the Hannibal Files, a Strange Harbors podcast. This is a weekly discussion of Brian Fuller's serial killer drama, Hannibal. Tonight, we're talking about the mid-season finale of the third and final season. Tonight, I'm joined by... Amir Duran. And Derek Wong. Mid-season finale, the end of an entire arc. And before we move on to the final storyline of the entire show. So, Digestivo is usually an alcoholic drink post-dinner that's supposed to help you with digestion and cleanse your palate for a final time. Um, I don't know if that actually applies here. Yeah, I don't know how good my digestion is after watching that one. (laughs) Right? I was going to say, I probably needed a shot of uh, alcohol to get through some of the parts of that one. (laughs) Really gruesome, huh? Um, I mean, it just just takes place right after the end of the last episode with (laughs) Will's head getting sliced open by uh, the cranial saw. Yeah, I mean, it fills in that gap, right, where we see Will getting, like you said, sliced open, and then we see them hanging in front of Mason. So it fills in that that time with the um, policia, you know, showing up and Jack discerning that, hey, you guys are not on the right side of the law here at this moment. And, you know, they take Will and Hannibal, of course, but uh, even the the lead detective was like, well, you weren't part of the bounty, so we got to do something with you. So, like, I thought... They were just like run-of-the-mill corrupt cops. But these dudes are assholes. They were going to kill and string up Jack to make it look like Hannibal killed him. I mean, it's kind of smart. It's a perfect alibi, right? Yeah, 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 it's smart, but like... Gotta be the go-to move there, right? If you're already doing corrupt cop shit. Yeah, I guess. A small leap to to get to that point. But uh, we get a last-minute save from Chio, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Two guys that are about to cut into Jack, get sniped right in the head. (laughs) Perfectly placed shots. And, uh, you know, of course, we learned that it's Chio that is the one there to, I mean, not necessarily protect Jack, but it is beneficial for her because then she gets the information that she needs out of Jack, right, to figure out where Hannibal's going. And I love how Jack just calmly handles that situation. It's like, hey, I'm tied up, you know, I'll give you the information and I don't really, I don't have the time to, to try to catch you, right? So it's like, mm-hmm. help me and I'll help you. And it works out, you know, perfectly in Jack's favor in a sense. He knows how to play his cards. He is the, the guru after all. He's the guru. Absolutely. <laughs> but that that's pretty much it, right? That That's kind of the last remnants of the last episode. And then we then get kind of thrusted into this episode. We get all the pieces kind of starting to line, right? Are all making their moves. I mean, we have... Margot and Alana in this episode with, you know, Margot's plan to want to either find her surrogate or she's talked about it before, you know, figuring out a way to get Mason's DNA. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of see those chips fall into place in this episode. By the way, some of the most fucked up things I've ever seen on the yeah, show. Yeah, unbelievable. I mean, let's just get into it, right? I mean, Mason tells Margot that she has a surrogate, right? And re-watching the scene, I love the way he phrases everything. Mm-hmm. Right or the way he says it, it's not like outright denying the fact that he knows that it's a pig, right? He just mm-hmm. says like, "Oh, she's on the farm. She is, you know, resting." Mm-hmm. In all accounts, he's not lying to Margot in a sense, right? But you know, it's it's lying through omission, right? He's not letting on the fact that he knows that it's a pig, mm-hmm. which I, I thought was a really clever way to kind of frame that scene. The, the big reveal, I guess, in that storyline is that this surrogate that mason is referring to is is a pig and i mean of course the first thing i asked to myself was like is that even possible 
Yeah. Is that even biologically possible? That's what I keep asking. I don't know. I mean, because Amir, I mean, you're the one. Yeah, no, Amir, please. You're, you're, you're the specialist. <laughs> I've literally never heard of it in my life. Um, I mean, it's really far-fetched taking the idea of like, or human meat's called like long pig and like it's very similar, but it's really kind of stretching that idea to think that uh, you could have a pig be your surrogate. Because coincidentally, it, it, the thing that the fetus that they take out of the pig does kind of look like a human fetus. Like, So I wonder like, I don't know if the implication was that there was a human surrogate and they like took it out and put it in the pig as like a... Oh, that could... Yeah, I've never... As like I've a, never... As like I, a fuck you. Like, I, maybe. I've never read it that way, but that's more logical I know, than my, thinking that a pig actually did this. That, yeah, my assumption was that the pig was like a show thing. Fetus didn't just I mean, I thought pig. I thought that was like a given, right? Because like it's not like the pig got pregnant with a human fetus. There's no way. That's even within the dream logic of like Hannibal. That's that's fucking stupid, <laughs> right? So like I I think I think there really was a human surrogate at some point, and then at one point or another they put the fetus inside the pig. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it, I guess that yeah makes the most sense. Honestly, I don't know. I don't know what Brian Fuller was thinking. The gist of it is that there's a baby and a pig. <laughs> Incredi- incredibly fucked up, though, right? Like, oh yeah. yeah. We we get the scene with Margot and Hannibal, right? Where which I thought that was such a, a great scene where he's kind of like not strung up, but like tied up in a in a where they hold the pigs and like he's just tied up and he's immobile. Like his arms are tied up, his feet are tied up. Margot comes to him and. It all comes full circle, right? He, he basically is kind of saying like, hey, you know, I, I once suggested that you should kill Mason and I think you should still do it. I'll take the blame for it. You know, it's cathartic for you. And she doesn't want to do it because, you know, Mason has promised her a surrogate, right? Uh, a, a, an actual baby for her, uh, a mm-hmm. merger baby. That's of her own eggs, right? Because he, you know, he says that he, he took her eggs during that procedure and well, you know, it's not until Margot sees the pig that, of course, it's now it's plan B, right? Like, I'm going to kill Mason and I'm going to take his sperm. Mm-hmm. Like, story arc-wise, I thought that came to a full circle that really well, for me at least. Yeah, it's definitely a great recapitulation of the, of the like, Mason controlling his sister's fertility and just, like, constantly fucking with her, pulling away the football like Lucy uh, constantly. It's a great uh, example of that. It's just an incredibly fucked up thing to do to somebody, incredibly fucked up imagery. It's just really great. Um, it's, it's really well done, really horrific. Um, I don't love the way he dies. Um, yes, I would agree with that. It's just kind of meh. Not, not particularly cathartic in any way, really. Um, I kind of didn't get as much from that as, as I'd hoped. Uh, um, the, uh, you mean Mason's death? Yeah, the eel thing. Uh, so like the production was relatively troubled when they were shooting his death scene. I think they have like a bunch of different things they wanted to do um and they shot a bunch of stuff but just none of it really worked so you can definitely tell that it's a little muddled and you and it's just not that satisfying yeah brian fuller stated himself that they stitched a bunch of stuff together in the final cut um to get the yeah. final product so yeah I yeah that. and like a bunch of things yeah. that go nowhere like hannibal's hair was supposed to be a thing or i think to pin yeah. It on, yeah to pin it on him yeah. or whatever like with his consent and like that never go anywhere well, i mean whatever is it yeah my fiance was watching this episode with me and she was like so how were they gonna get the hair in his hand <laughs> like like does it matter now so yeah like yeah, he, that's definitely true where it like some of those pieces just kind of fall apart at the end also i think mason's a little too 
James Bond villain in this. I mean, like, you know that his, his hubris is going to be his downfall, right? Because, like, he wants to, like, prolong the suffering. He wants to do a stupid little face transplant. Yeah, face-off uh, thing. Yeah, instead of just, like, getting his revenge, right? And he's got to, like, draw it out and do, like, his little supervillain speeches and... Uh, yeah, and but to be fair, this is, like, a supervillain universe, right? Like, he got... It's true. He got, like, drugged into cutting his own face off and feeding it to dogs by, like, a serial killer who's one yeah. of the 50,000 serial killers in Baltimore at any given time. So, yes. <laughs> uh, you know, I feel like a little bit of super villain speechifying is part of the course. I mean, if you had multi-millions of dollars and you wanted revenge on somebody who crippled you and made you cut off your own face. And eat it. And eat it. I do feel like just killing it would not be enough, right? Like, I do feel like you would want a, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Uh, so to speak, especially if you're already a sadist the way Mason Verger is, right? I just feel like if I had that much time to like plan all this, I would not leave so many like wild cards in the air, you know? Yeah, like Alana, Margo, and Margo. Yeah, right? like, Those are wild cards. Like, like Alana yeah. and Margo, and yeah, you don't I mean, do anything to them even. You could just have them like locked up in a room. Yeah, like, exactly. With the Hannibal shit. Like you don't even have to kill them. You could just. Why even actually have the pig there, right? Like. Like, Margo could have walked in at any time and seen this thing. And you know what I mean? Like, it's... I don't see the benefit of actually having that there to, like, fuck with Margo. Like, why? I don't know. Like, is it the hubris that's so so vast or so large that he thinks that he can get away with all of this? Yeah, it's a lot. Because even Alana has that great line, right? Where she says, like, play with your food and you give it the opportunity to bite back. And that's exactly what happens. I don't know, maybe pick your battles a little bit. Get your revenge on Hannibal. Like, Will's kind of responsible, but, like, get get the one who actually did this to you, right? Like, you throw Will in there, too, and you just got, like, way too much that could go wrong, and obviously it does, right? So. Well, and, and he's basically throwing in Margo, and then that, I mean, Margo's a lot of... I mean, well, I mean Margo's Margo his and, family. She's always going to be. Yeah, but like, you know, it, it's it's like it's a lot going on, right? You're trying to get revenge on on Hannibal and Will, but then you're also like fucking with Margo, right? So, it, so have, if he doesn't throw Will in the bargain, does Alana release Hannibal or is she just like fuck it, yellow let Hannibal get tortured? I think she would let just let him get tortured cuz I think the whole motivation is that she lets Hannibal. Yeah. yeah. And she sort of says as much, right? She's like, oh, yeah, she's tortured, much, yeah. but like not to death. So, like, I feel like she was kind of on board the torture Hannibal train, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is crazy. I don't know. Maybe Mason's eyes are too big for his stomach with, with like, uh, the whole Will face off thing. Like, maybe he should have just shot Will and tortured Hannibal, right? And then, like, if Will's yeah, already dead, like is Alana going to stick her neck out to avenge him? Probably not. Yeah. I don't um, know. Whatever. It's not really about that. Um, did you find the whole Cordell's face thing effective? <laughs> the, the switch up that they do? I I liked it. I think it was fun. I did too. So I, I even sort of for a second thought that they were going to cut Will's face off because... Uh, Are you because, talking about that moment where we think... Yeah, yeah. It's actually like Will's face getting cut off? Yeah. So here's where spoilers can kind of help a little bit. In that, like I, Or not spoiler based background knowledge of other adaptations in other parts of the media is like isn't there a whole thing about how like oh yeah Hannibal made Will's face like ugly to look at or he's like, hard to look at or something like that yeah oh, I don't remember that yeah, yeah yeah he does right so like I feel like he scars his face um yeah along with disemboweling him right so yeah so I thought maybe this was going to be their spin on that like they get halfway through it or something like that 
before Hannibal shows up and goes nuts. Ugh, Hannibal is like almost halfway through with cutting off like the right side of his skull or right side <laughs> of his head, and then Cordell starts with his left this left side of his face. So his, and and you know he fell off a train, so his, his face is pretty messed up at the moment. So it's true. <laughs> yeah. Before we even get to this part, like I I love the scene where Hannibal is like t- you know I I called it the dinner scene. Right where Mason, Hannibal, and Will are sitting around a table, and Cordell's there, like explaining all the things that are going to happen to Hannibal, and just the the biggest smile on Hannibal's face, like this almost respect, but also enjoyment. Like, hell, that's something I would do, or that's like new ideas for me. Like, it's I I really enjoyed that dynamic. Yeah, I, they, I think it's yeah. very unrealistic that no one is panicking here. <laughs> real recognize real, baby. Wait, what do you yeah. mean? Uh, no one's panicking? Yeah, like, I mean, if I was at least a will, I would be like, I can understand this Hannibal if you're a psychopath, like, being into this shit. But, like, I don't know, maybe Will's empathy superpowers. Will's, like... pretty, Will's pretty cold, man. Uh, yeah. Will's pretty, Will's pretty fucked up at this point, right? He's kind of a He is pretty fucked a little, up. Little baby he's he's almost himself. there. He's a baby animal. Yeah. Dude, he gets a bite out of Cordell's face. Yeah. I don't think Huge that's a season chunk. one and, Will thing. Right? And did you see Hannibal's face when he did that? I was... He was like, ooh, good for you, Will. Right? <laughs> I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you, son. Like, <laughs> Dude, very, very Conan the Barbarian right there. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, it's, it's this dinner scene where, like, I, I think it's Mason... Um, suggests that, you know, Cordell's going to do this face-off. And I didn't realize that the first time I watched it, I was like, did, did they just cast the perfect recast of face-off? Would you have, <laughs> would you love to see like Hugh Dancy and, and Mads Mikkelsen be the, the two leads of a, a face-off reboot? <laughs> At least Mad, Mads Mikkelsen. Like, that'd I think he would actually idea. be really great in that role. But that that's get that's a that's a side project. <laughs> right, that's, that's, yeah. that's, that's actually what Hannibal season four is. <laughs> But I do love the treatment of Hannibal in this episode. Like, you know, he, he's basically treated like a pig to, uh, up until his release, right? He's tied up like a pig. He's he's branded like one of um, Mason's pigs. He There's a point where Mason, like, guts him with the knife to check his fat. Like, I I do love the, the small detail of that, the way, Han- you know, he's treating Hannibal. It's very, very ironic since Hannibal's always treating the root as pigs and like his victims as things that are beneath him right so nice little reversal there but yeah some some great stuff in this episode i i do i do like it a lot so throughout this whole episode i was i was expecting alana to die <laughs> oh really really interesting yeah because um just the holdover from the season finale of season two oh yes true. And then promise, and he yeah. very pointedly says, "I always keep my promises." Yeah, yes. exactly. Yes. So I was yeah. like, "Well, Alana's letting him go Super to save dead. Will." Yeah. It's like, "Oh wait, she's probably gonna die." But I guess yeah. uh, I was pretty. I was worried for her in the moment that she released him. Mm, but then like afterwards, in that, in that in that very second, I was like, "Oh fuck, he's probably just going to kill her cuz like yolo." I think I would have been more scared if Margot wasn't in that scene with them. Right, if it's just the two of them. If yeah, it was perhaps. just Alana and Hannibal, I would be yeah. I would have been very worried. I would have been like, "Oh, don't let him go cuz he, like he's going to snap your neck and then then go save Will or something like that," right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's no part of his like plan like which requires a lot of to be alive, right? Yeah. But I think because I knew like Margot and her were having this this kind of arc in their story together, the fact that Margot was there, I wasn't as worried for some reason. Like because mm. the, their story, what their story, not necessarily Margot's story, but I I feel like 
they've kind of latched on to each other. Their story wasn't done yet. That's a good point. So this is the point where uh, Hannibal gets let go, right? Alana lets him go. He he goes on a killing spree because the next time we see him, he's basically bloodied with a hammer. And then... <laughs> a little bit of an old boy that we don't get Yeah, to a little bit of old boy. <laughs> yeah. And then we get the scene that uh, you're kind of alluding to, Amir, where Cordell is about to remove Will's face, right? But yeah, I, f- I feel for Will, man, these last two episodes, mm-hmm. right? Like I already mentioned, like Cannibal already partially sawing off his head and then <laughs> Cordell's like carving into his face. It's just like, it- it's hard to watch what's happening to Will. But he takes it he like re- a champ. So- he recovered from that cranial saw pretty quickly. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, what were, were you going to say, Amir? So what do you think Will's turning point is with Hannibal? Right, because you're saying he has been through a lot, right? And at the end, he is just sort of like, "Ugh, I'm like fed up with you, dude. You're way too much drama." Um, and he kind of breaks up with him, right? So I think the turning point what? is him putting a cranial slot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because and I'm only yeah. half kidding. I think. <laughs> right? No, I know what you're saying. I know. I totally know what you're saying. I mean, I guess the genesis before that, though, right? Like when they mutually decide they're going to kill each other. Like, one is going to kill the other next time they meet. Like, when they make that decision, I guess they're still, you know, that's still, like, a relationship, though. That's still, like, just, like, the flip side of the love-hate coin, right? Right, right, is right. The, is the him trying to stab him and getting shot by Chio. Um, right. The cranial saw, that's all, is that all still part of it? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, uh, it, I, I, get, I get what you're asking. Like, you're saying when, when does Will go from like hating or loving Hannibal to just not caring at all, right? Or like, like accepting that he yeah. can't ever have a definitive win and that this relationship is unhealthy and toxic and he has right, to. Right, right. He, he, he doesn't have the emotional bandwidth to deal with Hannibal right now. Right. Um, I don't know. It's so, hard to tell. Yeah, I don't know. Like, like, like this show always is always hard to like pin down an exact moment when, yeah. when these relationships kind of take their turn, which is why it's always so interesting to watch. But then you know, there's also, isn't there almost a turn in Hannibal too? There's a point where he decides that he doesn't want to kill Will anymore. He takes him home. The big thing that happens at the end is he gives himself up. Yeah, he gives himself up. Right, yeah. yeah so there yeah, is a yeah. turning point for Hannibal too, right? Because he had all opportunity to tie up Will again and... and Finish what he started. And get back to his, yeah, get back to his cranial sign, right? <laughs> Pick up where he left off, as it were. Yeah, that's a very good point. Like, so at what point did Hannibal decide, actually, I'm still not done with Will. I'd rather keep him around. Um, and, I, and I don't know, I guess maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if maybe he was just like, okay, um, our, our relationship had reached a, reached a fever pitch. And, you know, I was kind of. Well, going a little wild there, but maybe I'm good to put well on the back burner and maybe eat him later or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get the sense that eating well was out of the question. I think uh, more like uh, Bedelia, he was just kind of maybe he was just sort of uh, put off his food for a little bit and he was going to come back to Will in a couple months or a couple years or whatever. But I don't think he was done with Will. But I, I totally see what you're saying. When did he go from being ready to do it at that moment to like, I'm going to delay this now? Um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you're, you're, you mentioned in the end, he does make that spiteful decision when Will's like, all right, I don't want you in my life anymore. Just like escape the way you always do and just disappear. I'll not look for you. Like this is the end of our relationship, right? Um, 
Hannibal's like, well, instead of doing that, I was like, fuck you. I'm going to hang around <laughs> and yeah. get myself and, like, surrender to Jack so that you'll always know where I am. Uh, that's some toxic X shit right there. Yeah. Do you think that's part of it's, like, his fucked up love for Will, too? That Dude, it's 100%. I don't think there's any of the motivation there. Like, otherwise, he would have just bounced. If he didn't want, like, he says explicitly, right? Like, I want you to always know where I am and where you can always find me. Like, he's, I don't know, I guess he's had his fun in the outside world. He's ready to retire to his memory palace in jail and think about, I don't know, Will and Florence and uh, <laughs> murdering people, I guess. <laughs> That's not lost on Jack either, right? Because he says, yeah. we, didn't, oh, yeah. we didn't catch you, you surrendered. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all out of all, all kind of out of spite. So I, I thought that was a really great move, really great twist there. It's a very perfect. Fuck, fuck you! You can't break up with me. I'm, I'm not. I don't know. I'm gonna, I'm gonna move into like the apartment next door. Like, you know, <laughs> just like a fucking weirdo, weirdo codependent shit. Yeah. I, I bought the land right next to you. I'm gonna build a, my own cabin here. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just. No, but you, you, you said something really interesting where you feel like will. Gave up because he doesn't know how to beat Hannibal, in a sense. But I feel like inadvertently he has beaten Hannibal. I, I think what Hannibal wants is the chase, but also the interest, the love, the affection. But essentially, will, will knowing or not knowing, you know, he he affects Hannibal in a very visceral way by saying like, "Hey, mm-hmm. I I don't want you anymore. Like, I'm not going to look for you. I'm not going to try to find you. Like, I don't care. Right? Like that." You know, if someone told me that, that that hurts. Like, imagine someone that you felt affection for told you that. Like that, that's a very stinging thing. And even if Will didn't know it, he's in 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 his own way has beaten Hannibal. But also, if I took a cranial sod of someone's head and they told me that, I'd be like, okay, I I get it, (laughs) right? I'd be like, I get it. I don't. I get why you don't want to talk to me anymore. You'd have a little perspective on that one, yeah. I think, Amir, you put it perfectly. Essentially, this is a breakup, right? We've seen this kind of, uh, what is this <laughs> maybe on and off relationship that Hannibal and Will have? And essentially, this is Will, you know, breaking up with Hannibal. Um, that's exactly what I wrote in my in my notes, too. Yeah. Who knows how long that breakup will last. <laughs> but it is interesting that what happens to them is like, I think it's like daytime or maybe nearing uh, dusk. But then it's not until later that the police show up. So, like, Hannibal was just chilling out there, right? Waiting, knowing oh, that yeah, the police... Oh, yeah, he was just chilling. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was just outside, like, oh, where's Jack, man? Jack should be here soon, right? <laughs> like, so I can, uh, I can um, uh, get arrested. Yeah. This definitely leads us into what is going to be the second half of the season, right? I mean, we talked about in season two, status quo changing. This is a definitely a new shift in the status quo, right? Presumably, it doesn't have some kind of weird off-screen change that we don't see, but like essentially Hannibal is caught, right? This is like the Hannibal we know in the series or in the, you know, the Hannibal movies with Anthony Hopkins, right? Hannibal is Mm -hmm. essentially in jail and he's used as a resource a lot of the times in those movies. And we'll see if that's going to be what pans out in the second half of the season. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to be, like you said, in the status quo that we kind of know. And I'm interested to see how Mads plays the caged Hannibal because we've only seen him uh, mask on, right? Well, not only, but mostly, you know, he's been more mask on than any, than any other Hannibal you've seen. You know, in all the other iterations, he's already unmasked. He's past the height of his powers. Um, 
you know, he doesn't have that ability to charm and flatter and uh, and manipulate, and uh, he doesn't have the complete freedom of action, of godlike action that he does. You know, the whole thing in this show is like his his godlike powers of uh, manipulation and tableau creation, and you know, all these things that he does that one you know one person wouldn't be able to do. Um, I'm interested to see how he plays being caged and revealed for the world to see. Does he become more of you know reptilian or you know, uh, outright hostile the way that uh, uh, Anthony Hopkins Anthony played Hopkins him. played him. Yeah, yeah, definitely something curious to see. It's a it'll be a new dynamic and it'll be real, real interesting. Going back to this episode, a fun fact is that Cordell was supposed to be played by uh, Kumail Nanjani. <laughs> oh, really? Did you know that? Yeah, because uh, Brian Fuller wanted the irony of someone with dark skin. To be grafted onto Mason's face okay. as like a, <laughs> as like a fuck you to his like racism and stuff, but uh, he wasn't available. So why? Because Silicon Valley. Have we established that Mason is racist? I know it's like a weird point to get stuff on, but like I don't know. He like drinks children's tears and like ripped out his sister's uterus. Like does race does racism like rank on his list of like heinous acts? Like I don't know. I just feel like. I feel like I feel like there's more color to him in the books, but I feel like he's definitely racist. And I mean, he drinks children's tears. Racism isn't like a it's like a stone's throw away. Right. Right? Yeah, I mean, this is like yeah, murder, so, arson, and jaywalking, right? But I'm just I'm curious. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't think it was was it established on the show? Like, would no, we get that? I don't think it's like would we get that irony really? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you can just assume, okay, he's probably just like a generic, he's just a piece of shit on all, all axes. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's probably just awful to everybody. Dude, well, he's I, an amazing, like, misogynist. Like, 11 out of 10. Holy oh, shit, he's so disgusting. Like, he's just, like, skin-crawling gross. The shit he's always saying to Alana or about her, it's unreal. Yeah. He's just, like, horrific. Honestly, it's all stepping stones, right? Like, misogynist, racist, and then, like, drink children's tears like it's it's, it's a process it's a process <laughs> you know you, you, you don't just get from innocent to drinking children's tears right i feel i feel like if they had cast uh kumail nanjani they would have had more instances of his racism to make that to lead uh, up to it yeah pay off yeah yeah, they may, um, yeah, yeah. yeah so i would agree with that 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 probably would have been in the writing somehow a little bit more we're treating this almost like a almost like a season finale in a sense, right? Because it people don't know or people haven't watched the second half of this season. I mean, it really is a dynamic shift, and it becomes a whole new season. It kind of basically restarts. It's another, I believe, another six episodes, right, for a six episode arc. Yeah, there's no like real easy transition. It's quite abrupt, but it's fine. It's fine. It, it makes sense because it's. This this episode's pretty tidy, right? Hannibal's been put away. Everyone's got their arcs closed up. Mason Verger's dead. Yeah, I mean, we should just say it because uh, the next arc is an adaptation of Red Dragon. So we get to see Brian Fuller's take on Francis Dollarhide, Red Dragon goodness. So Red Dragon will... goodness. <laughs> and uh, so I, I wanted to treat this almost like a season finale and what we do normally in those kind of episodes that we kind of talk about. This arc. This arc, right? Uh, if the audience has been listening the last couple of episodes, they probably kind of get our impressions of the season. But I think it'd be helpful to kind of reiterate, like, what did you guys think of this season? This se- half season, I guess. Sucked ass. No. Sucked ass. <laughs> 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 it- 
It was good. I mean, it was it was good. It just, it's, I mean, it's not as good as the heights of season two, right? No, like, yeah. The end of season two is just unbelievable. But to its credit, um, it was not the Price and Zeller show. Um, <laughs> there was no Killer of the Week. There was a lot of really good, That's true. just focused. Like we're just gonna have an episode about like Hannibal and Bedelia chilling in Europe, and like that shit, that shit whipped ass. So um, I can't be mad at that. Yeah, I think it has some pretty. Pretty great episodes. I think we talked about the first two episodes being really great. I really thought this episode was a really great episode. It's just some of those like mid episodes that were a little bit lackluster. A little, I, I found more of the faults, and and honestly, they weren't really my episode three. <laughs> yes, episode three was like the standout in, in that sense. But even like I know Jeff, you you've kind of lightened up to some of the other ones. But even me, like. Four and five were not, not the not to say that they were bad, but there are definitely a lot of things I can kind of pinpoint in those episodes that I didn't really like. I think overall, like I do how I, I like how this this segment of episodes or the sequence of episodes started and then ended, but it's maybe it's the middle that I have issues with. Yeah, I think my opinion of season three, the first half of season season three, it has. Uh, Increased in the rankings for me, uh, just from watching it again. Because I think beforehand, it's just like the main strike against it was that it wasn't season two. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Cause season two is so incredible, but like watching this, it's still really good. Like it's not like bad by any means, right? It's just not at the height of the show and but, but that's fine yeah it's it's perfectly good television it does a good job evolving and changing the show and um extending it you know down a different path it's even more different from two than than two than two is from one right like it just keeps right right the show just kind of keeps pushing into its own weirdness which i like we yeah. got more bedelia Bedelia's great yeah we got a ton of bedelia is great yeah Shio was a bit of an eh uh, Boo, Chio. <laughs> <laughs> Boo. Posse didn't do much for me either, really. Uh, but his death was so great that I was like, yeah, he has a, he has, yeah, he has, he, has a, he has a great death. But, um, yeah, it's, I don't know, it does, it does a pretty deft job in the end of tying together, like, the Mason-Verger arc with, like, Hannibal finally being captured. Like, it, like it does put all those things to, to bed pretty nicely, so... Can't get too mad at it. I wanted to ask you guys this then. Like, the Mason-Verger arc is split up into two seasons, right? It's like the second half of season two, and then it's the first half of season three. Do you think it would have been better if somehow this was all woven into just season two? Huh. You know, pull Mason stuff to even start at the beginning of two and then have it conclude with what happens no, now? No, I don't think I would have liked that. I think it's too much Mason Verger. I well, think it's Mason. A, it's the same thing, though. It's it's a full season. Like, what we got basically is a full season of Mason Verger, right? Because we got, like I said, the second half of two and the first half of three. Yeah, but you put both of those together, and I think it's it's too much, I think. I, I always found it so weird that they split his story in between two seasons, where, like, I imagine, like, it. it there was this, you know, there would have been this huge gap, right? Like, you know, we we have the luxury of being able to rewatch this and binge this. But if you think about, you know, in 2013, 2014, like you, 
it's basically like six episodes of Mason Verger and then another six episodes of Mason Verger with this huge, like, you know, three, four month gap in between. I think it's smart the way they did it because you get your Hannibal and Europe adventures and then the bounty put on Hannibal by Mason. And I think that works. I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. That's true. Yeah, I think if if I were to imagine, like, things would have to be rewritten in a sense. Like, you couldn't just, like, shift these episodes to, like, season two. You know what I mean? Like, I understand, like, the first part of season two is really the whole Will in prison thing. So it's, like, you can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's really hard to just squeeze all that stuff together. But mm-hmm. I, I don't know if there was a way to do this so that, like, the Mason Verger arc was just within one season versus, like, this split into two season thing. No, I think I think you need to give... The Mason Verger stuff, time to breathe. Um, yeah, as, as much fun as he is to love to hate, he is better in small doses, right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I mean, he, like, he is fun to hate. His sister's great. Um, it was nice seeing him on again. I don't know. I mean, and, and also, Mason Verger, he weaves in and out of the second half of the second season, right? It's not like he dominates that entire narrative. No, not right? at all. And like right? the, best pa- the best parts of it don't even involve him, really. Yeah, because um, that last half you have like the Randall Tear stuff, Freddy Lounge faking her death. The only thing is like the penultimate episode where Mason Verger cuts his own face off. And, yeah. And that whole thing is on the Verger farm. But then right after that, you got Mizumona, which is the showdown in Hannibal's house, right? Um, so he's not even part of that. So I think, I think it works. I think this is the best way to do it. Um, and not to mention, uh, the season two finale ends with Hannibal and Bedelia on the run, and, and that seeks perfectly into season three with them in Europe, right? So, um, it works. I think it works. No, it's just a question I wanted to pose. Uh, was there anything else you guys wanted to bring up? Great mid-season finale. No else to say. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I would say it's one of my, probably one of my favorite episodes, I think, of the, the whole series is, is this one. I really, really enjoyed it. I think it's a great tying up of loose ends, you know, uh, of the whole Mason Verger thing. Yeah. And, and of course, uh, the Will and Hannibal thing, you know, right, kind of comes to a, a, a conclusion. Like, it almost feels like this could have been a series finale. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure that, yeah, I'm sure they did, did it that way, uh, just in case the show got canceled. I don't think it's as much of a fuck you to NBC as the season two finale, <laughs> where they pretty much just killed everyone quote-unquote, right? Uh, it's like, cancel us now, I dare you, right? Yeah, um, strangely, this has more closure than the season two finale and then, you know, not getting ahead of ourselves, the season three finale, right? Mm-hmm. Like, this is the most closure I think we've had maybe on this show. Like, it could have ended, like, at this point, and I don't know if people would have been happy, but at least it would have had, like, almost this kind of definitive ending. Yeah. Yeah. But it is interesting that it now the show still goes on for six more episodes. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Red Dragon. Uh, so speaking of that, Jeff, do you want to tell people what we're going to be next week? So we're not going to be diving straight into the final arc. We do want to draw a little comparison with the, in my opinion, very, very underrated, almost forgotten Michael Mann film, Manhunter, which is the first... Uh, cinematic adaptation of our good Dr. Hannibal Lecter um, before even Silence of the Lambs. So we're going to spend an episode and talk about that. Um, and that is the Red Dragon story, right? It is Red Dragon, yes. We're not watching the Ed Norton 
no. uh, Red Dragon movie. We're we're watching. I believe it came out in the eighties, right? Manhunter, Michael Mann, and this is the I guess the you know original telling of the Red Dragon story in in movies. We could have covered both Manhunter and Red Dragon, but I think Manhunter is just a lot better as a film. Not that Red Dragon isn't good, but like the director is quite problematic, and we don't want to give that piece of shit any free press. <laughs> But yeah, we'll be talking about Manhunter, um, and we're going to be talking a lot about the comparison between the two Hannibal Lecters. Well, three now, because in Manhunter, he's played by Brian Cox, right? Yeah, I think it'll be a great primer for us to uh, to get into the last arc of uh, Hannibal. But uh, I think that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find your work? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com, and you can also find me on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Uh, you can find me on Letterboxd. And what about you, Derek? You can find me at the wrong Daik, Daik spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that is for Instagram and Twitter. But you also can find me on my other podcast called Geeks in a Pod, where each week we kind of uh, dive into a very specific pop culture topic, you know, as it pertains to movies, television, gaming, or all things media. Uh, so you can find that on all of your podcast platforms. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. If you're listening to us specifically on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to many more people. Yeah, and if you guys uh, have any questions, comments, suggestions, please feel free to shoot us an email at jeff at strangetravers.com. Uh, we like to get fan mail and we like to read it out on the pod sometimes. So feel free to shoot us a line. Um, so we'll be back next week with Manhunter. So see you guys next week. See you next week, everybody. See you guys then.